0: Some of the free shows this season include Is Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, the backlash to Mayor Mike Johnston's big push to end homelessness has begun, but maybe that's a good thing? Me and producer Paul Caroli are talking about mega fights over micro-communities, school board vice president Ayonte Anderson's latest legal struggles, and a listener question about boycotts. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. like explaining like what was going on at casa bonita the other yesterday to my husband's family and (laughs) they have a giant cartman statue now Mm -hmm. and they were talking about posing with cartman (laughs) craig's mom goes your friend uh cartman who's your friend cartman i don't think i've (coughs) met cartman and we were like cartman from oh you wouldn't like him
1: he's very rude
0: who who else is in the (laughs) world is named cartman other than Cartman from South Park. And this is my sweet mother in law, uh, just does not have a clue. Your friend? Huh? Your friend Cartman.
1: Sure. <laughs> he is kind of your sure, friend Christy, Cartman.
0: He's everyone's friend yeah. or everyone's enemy. I don't know. Hi, Paul.
1: Hey, Bree. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Before we get started, we had some we got some criticism or at least a correction. A correction. For our characterization of a vape pen that was wrong. A vape pen?
1: Well, that, that's that's what's at issue. Okay. Uh, so a couple weeks ago on the show, we joked about the new Illegal Pete's partnership with uh, the weed company Open Vape. That's right. Um, and uh, that's where you and I uh, departed from the facts uh, because we called it, uh, and we're joking about it being vape juice, queso flavored vape juice. Turns out that's not correct. Um, thanks to listener Cody B who wrote in to inform us that it is in fact a special weed strain open thc vape pen so that's not vape juice that's that is a queso inspired
0: i'm so glad the vaping community's on top of this because what a mischaracterization did we
1: What i can't believe we didn't sacrilege but thank
0: you i still did either way disgusting either way
1: um well thank you to cody uh who uh who wrote in um thanks for keeping us accountable on all things cannabis and burritos as cody wrote appreciate that appreciate that
0: thanks cody okay we're talking ugh, i feel like i feel like we just need a section of this show that's like homelessness and the mayor
1: we're Yeah, talking? i think people want to know i mean no, it's the number I... one issue in the mayoral race we talk about it all the time we need to
0: yeah absolutely i'm just I'm curious like, I'm always I'm just like, I don't know if I'm surprised or bummed out that this is constantly a conversation. But actually, I'm probably happy because it means we're talking about it and it means our elected leaders are actually doing something about it. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's where let's let's start with Johnston's House 1000 project, which was his promise to house a thousand people by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Where where are we with that, Paul?
1: Well, I've been talking to people over the last few weeks, doing a little bit of reporting, some folks inside the shelter system, someone on city council, uh, an unhoused person. Um, And the picture that I'm getting is that this giant city bureaucracy uh, is finally lurching into movement. Mm. Johnston is here, but everyone else who is involved in a big project like this is like slowly now being tapped to like do their part. And that is creating conflict mm. and a little bit of tension.
0: When you say that, do you mean that the, when we say finally, do we mean like since Hancock or Hancock's administration wasn't doing this? So the Johnston administration is...
1: Well, just the change. The okay. mere fact of the, the change. Okay. He was elected. He is now the mayor. And this is But his... on day one, he wasn't like, now we're doing it right. this way. And everyone's like, yes, I understand now. Exactly. Of course, we are doing it this way.
0: It's very complicated. It's more
1: like, you know, real humans having to like get on board and buy in and like yeah. feel invested in something. I mean, the and real hard part. And believe in the plan. Part, yeah. Right? A, a huge part of it.
0: Okay. You're saying there's a little bit of, I don't know, necessarily gridlock, but at least it's a struggle to really get this thing going.
1: I think so. I think so. And I think you can see that in two places. There's two big aspects of this, though. There's like getting people housed and then establishing the infrastructure. To house people. To house people. Sure. Exactly. Sure. Which you want to start with? You want to talk about micro communities? Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so the micro communities is is kind of interesting because we're now at the point that we knew was going to happen, which is the fighting about it part. Because where they're going to go. Where they're going to go. Johnston has proposed 11 sites across the city. He's been doing these town halls ever since he was uh, sworn into office. Um, but each one of those sites is now a fight with the neighbors. And there's a couple of particular spots that it's it's already getting a little bit nasty. Um, one, Westward is reported that the Golden Triangle, where there are two proposed micro communities, um, there was a town hall last week where I guess it got pretty tense, where people were like, you know, hey, Mr. Johnston, you don't understand. Like, we're a very small community, and you're putting two sites here, mm. including one catty cornered to Leaven I looked mm-hmm, at the map. Mm-hmm. That's like, I don't know. That was an interesting place. That's that's like right next to the art museum. I don't I know. I mean,
0: unhoused folks are kind of already hanging out there, so sure. I don't know. I mean, also, it, it, listeners know where I stand. It's in the middle of the city. You live in the middle of the city. That's where we're probably going to see uh, more folks, right? I don't know.
1: Well, that's the other part of this, is that it's not all in the middle of the city. They're really spread out everywhere. And one of the other big fights that's happened is around uh, Holly Hills mm-hmm. in southeast Denver. Yep. Um, so this is another Westward Report, but the, the, apparently there's a group of neighbors around Holly Hills who are now trying to form their own neighborhood organization so they can like formally push back on this site. I
0: um, mean, if you want to get anything done in the city, just form a neighborhood organization, and then you become a strong arm. That's what I've learned.
1: You think? Oh, a hundred percent for sure. I don't know. I feel like this group is. I, I'm. I would not be betting on them, because <laughs> I, I talked to uh, Councilwoman Diana Romero Campbell, who represents that area of the city.
0: And just this was was this a. Kendra Black's district previously? Okay. Okay. Southeast Denver. I'm just trying to give folks a picture Mm because Holly Hills is honestly not something that most folks know. Exactly. Well, let me
1: explain it because it's actually even more complicated. It's not just like a, a small neighborhood. It's actually technically Arapahoe County. Yeah. It's one of those little pockets in the city that for some reason, some little quirk of history is not actually part of Denver. So what Diana Romero Campbell explained to me is they don't pay taxes there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not part of Denver, even though it's like mm. obviously part of like how people get around and live in the city. Those are not her constituents. So she said she's listening to them, but also recognizing she doesn't really have any obligation to them. Um, she collaborates with the Arapahoe County commissioner who represents them. Sure. Apparently they CC her on all their email threads, but um, but but for her, it's like not really not really a concern that this is happening.
0: I used to live like l- on the border of this. I'm just, oh yeah. Yeah, I used to live off of uh, Monaco and Carter Circle. I'm just looking at the map, and I remember being like, not quite understanding it. But okay, so the issue here is, it's kind of like not they're not taxpayers. They're not part of Denver. Yeah. yeah so they don't really, really have a say. So so they don't have a say, and I, I would say maybe that's why they also don't want this why because it's they're not part of denver so they didn't get to vote on it so they don't want it is that what they're saying
1: <sighs> maybe i don't know i couldn't get in touch with them they did not respond to any of my emails i would have loved to ask them about their um, their opposition but kind of kind of an interesting choice to like to propose the micro community goes there on the border of this unincorporated non-denver place in the city it
0: seems like a little strategic. bit of a strategic or just like it seems like an extra fight that you maybe don't need to have if you move it over like a block or something i don't know i don't know i, I my argument here is everybody needs to be shouldering this burden so uh, we got to figure out something because it's not going anywhere so
1: hmm. um one of the other people i talked to is uh his name is Dwayne peterson he is an unhoused person that's right he says that he is the only unhoused person on the mayor's advisory committee for housing Um, And he's actually been in the news quite a bit. He got in touch with us uh, last week around the time of that big sweep at 8th and Logan. Do you Mm -hmm. remember this one? Mm -hmm. So he was, I think, pretty upset because what he sees is this micro community system looks a lot like the safe outdoor spaces that were popping up in the city in the last few years. I think that's what Johnston modeled them off of. There in was part. one
0: in my neighborhood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, and, and the person that he hired to be one of his top advisors, Cole Chandler used to run the safe right. outdoor spaces through the Colorado Village Collaborative. So that's, that's where Dwayne Peterson is upset because he had a really bad time living at one of the safe outdoor spaces. Really? Yeah. Oh, he said he had, he was there was violence he was felt intimidated and then he made one allegation that was really really serious um he said that while he was living at the sos he was discouraged from calling the police when mm. there were safety issues mm. so i checked in with the cvc and and the mayor's office to mm-hmm. ask cole um if, if that that was, was the true. case if that's sure. the policy everybody denies it okay so make of that We've we got two,
0: two sides to that story yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really helpful to hear from someone like Dwayne, who's been unhoused, who's also lived in these...
1: Is currently unhoused.
0: And is currently unhoused. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this is just not a perspective we hear a lot of folks that maybe are pushing up against what are being proposed as solutions for unhoused folks. Um, but I do think it's super helpful to hear from him directly because... He lived there.
1: Yeah. He knows. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because like he's a very critical voice right now. And the people who are picking him up, the media, he was on KOA last week. Mm -hmm. There was an article about him in the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle. Oh,
0: goodness gracious. But
1: nowhere else. So Uh, he's in these very conservative leaning places where his narrative reinforces their existing biases. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to discount his narrative. His his experience is real and that's what it is. Um, I think what's unfortunate is what's happening, which is then whoever wants to take hold of it can put it towards their idea or agenda or whatever. And I mean, I'm sorry, the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle is one of the worst publications in the city in terms of like how it treats marginalized groups, how it talks about a lot of problems and experiences here. And I read that thing a lot because it's based out of the community that I grew up next to. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know about that. But so we've got we've got Duane's perspective. You also heard from two other folks directly working in the shelter system that Re- reached out to us, right? Or one one person, and I'm mm-hmm. so curious what you heard from folks working within the system.
1: Yeah, two two anonymous shelter workers I talked I spoke to last week. Um, both seem pretty frustrated. I think last week was really difficult because at the I same bet. time that Johnson is trying to like you know get this thing moving, start housing people, we just recently had an, an influx of migrants, another wave of migrants coming to the city. So those folks are taking advantage a lot of the same services, same shelter system that, that unhoused folks who live here, um, take advantage of. So they were talking about like, this is just like stretched resources are stretched thin. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them told me this story about a a family who like, she tried to help out late at night and get a shelter space, but there wasn't one. And so she thinks they just like slept on the street last, Mm. last week, one night which was difficult. Um, but they they shared with me a couple of rumors that I guess are going around. Um, okay, that so I, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. And then I did ask the mayor about these. and we, I have some answers. Um, one is, you know that Best Western they bought, the city bought a couple months ago, just off he, I-70? Yeah. The rumor is that the Johnson administration is trying to house all 1,000 people that he wants to house by the end of the year at this location. Not necessarily in this Best Western, which only has 193 yeah, I was rooms. I say,
0: doesn't have 1,000 rooms.
1: Well, yeah, but like at that site. So they were like, he's going to build a tent city. He wants to make this Denver's new skid row. Um, that's what they heard, at least. They also said that uh, there was a concern that Johnston's definition of housed, which we talked about on the show last week. Yes. Um, the fact that it's looser, then the federal government's definition of housed might create some problems for service providers. Like they might not be able to offer services to people who are now technically defined as housed. Because they're no longer homeless? Is that where we're- By this definition or by different definitions. They were just like, this might be a real big problem. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, So I talked to someone at the Salvation Army, which operates the Best Western, and I talked to the mayor's office. Um, They both say- There's no plans to house everybody at this site. That's not at all what we're thinking about, this whole like Skid Row rumor. Happy to dispel that one. But this hotel, former hotel, now Shelter, which they've renamed New Directions. Right. They say that they plan to have at least 250 people in there, despite Hmm. there being only the 193 rooms. So they're going to double up at some point.
0: Oh, these aren't like couples or families or...
1: I guess they might be. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot of open questions about this. I mean, it's such a big thing he's trying to do so fast. Like, I think That's these questions are just coming out. up as as it happens.
0: This is what I worry about is like, you know, on the campaign trail for any politician, you make a lot of promises because they're, you're putting forth your ideas in order to get buy-in from folks to say, uh, this is the kind of candidate I am. This is the kind of person I am. This is the kind of thing I want to prioritize. And so I understand where Johnson was coming from saying, this is my priority. I just wonder if this hard number of a thousand people and this time frame was so kind of unrealistic to the point where it's, I don't know, the definitions are going to get murky of what's, what means it means to be housed. And then are we Spending our resources in the wrong place because we're trying to just house people as fast as we can versus maybe putting that towards longer term housing or purchase of more places. I don't know. I just I feel this pressure is not necessarily going to lead to the greatest outcome.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really hard to say. I think it's inevitable that there's gonna be some waste here. We're gonna sure. overpay for a lot of these things as a city. Um, but it's the the speed that he wants to go, the pace in terms of and the and the ambition of the level of the fix that that he's got in mind, um, Mayor Johnston, that that's kind of leading to these issues. And it's it's just gonna be part of it that we yeah. have to accept.
0: I just worry that folks too will see this and go oh, my God, are we really wasting a ton of money and not actually having the best outcomes? And then do we want to keep spending more money? Because this is tax, you know what I mean? This is citizens, taxpayer money, which includes all kinds of people. But I just could see where folks would be like, is this the best use of our city's resources?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure people will continue to ask that and we will continue to talk about that. Um, For now, though, yeah. I think most people are behind Mayor Johnston. I think most people, although there are, there is tension, we had that poll from the Colorado Polling Institute back in August, and nothing really significantly, found, fundamentally has changed since then. I would bet that most people, even if they have some criticisms on the edges of this whole thing- It's still overall It's still something popular. that is popular that okay. most people are cheering for.
0: I'll be curious in a year from now, when oh we listen gosh, back to this. Too. I'm just oh. so curious how it will look, and I hope for the best, honestly. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org.
1: All right, let's talk about something else that's been in the news. Uh, the school board has been in the news consistently. Oh, um, and there's been some development um, with uh, some of the lawsuits around board vice president Aonte Anderson. Brie, what's happening?
0: Yes, yeah, so currently uh, Director Anderson is being sued by a parent for blocking her from his Facebook page and deleting her comments. Um, This lawsuit comes after Colorado legislators passed a law earlier this year that would allow politicians to block or ban anyone from their personal social media profiles, uh, meaning not their public-facing profiles where they are supposed to be conducting official business, I guess. Mm -hmm. The struggle here, and also I would say this is actually in, uh, I think the U.S. Supreme Court is looking at the validity of this law so They're like it,
1: free it, speech concerns
0: yeah and i and i also just think it's blurry i mean it's we don't have regulations around how public servants use social media you know what i mean there's no official law that says this is how you use your public page this mm-hmm. is how you use your private page but yeah it's a free speech issue essentially that the supreme court is is debating <sighs> i don't know i again the thing that i'm thinking about here is like what's public and what's private i see public officials use semi-personal pages for public it's like just it's so it's so blurry but um I think the most interesting part of this particular case Paul yeah. is that the person suing him is a parent named Eve Chen and I was like I know this name why do I know this name and I search in my emails and uh she is a parent that was circulating a petition to get McAuliffe International's uh principal reinstated Earlier this year, oh, yeah. she was part of a group of parents that said the seclusion room that was under scrutiny was being used appropriately. And some parents appreciated that it existed. And they thought that huh. they thought that the principal was in the right and that he should not have been fired. Um, And then Director Anderson also said on social media of Eve Chen that she is, quote, BFF and co-conspirator of Mary Catherine Brooks Fleming. I can't make I can't say if that's real or not. I don't know their relationship. But uh, do you remember Mary Catherine Brooksby? I, I
1: do. I remember her well, especially her testimony at the at the Capitol a couple of years ago. She um she is the person who accused Auntie Anderson of sexually assaulting sixty two DPS students, including DACA recipients. This was a very sensational accusation that led to a months long investigation in which he was ultimately exonerated
0: exactly so yeah.
1: remember so the, very well
0: yeah i mean it was a the, the like you said the testimony was pretty intense the acu- the alleged behavior was wild to me um mm-hmm. but uh now mary catherine brooks fleming also back in the news uh because colorado court of appeals is reviving part of the 2021 case um involving anderson and her and uh, they're reversing the dismissal of anderson's claims against brooks Fleming, meaning he can proceed uh, with suing her for defamation.
1: Oh, in connection to those allegations. Uh-huh. Interesting.
0: So, I don't know. Mary Catherine Brooks Fleming and Eve Chen are really, they are just in the news. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I, I think.
1: They really do not like this. <laughs> they
0: really don't like uh, Director hey, Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. We've had him on the show. Uh, we've had a, a writer and a thinker here in Denver, Theo Wilson, on the show to talk about his, his perspective on this case. I have my own feelings on it, but um, I don't know. It's just it's been an interesting time for the school board. And we'll see where that case goes. It means we've got a, another case now. Involving yeah. Director Anderson and these parents.
1: Mm-hmm. So wh- why do you think this matters at this point here? This this <laughs> this beef that he that Anderson has with these two people, or maybe they have with him. I mean,
0: I think if they're reviving part of this case, it's saying that he has the uh, he should be able to sue these folks for defamation, because I think that the struggle here, I think, is um, Director Anderson is very outspoken, so a lot of folks have an opinion on him, regardless mm-hmm. of these. Court situations. But when you, I feel like in the public eye, you put them all together and it feels like, oh my God, can this school board get it together? But part of me is like, he has the right to sue these folks who said really awful things about him in public, whether he's part of this dramatic school board or not. It's, it's that's a pretty serious situation. So,
1: yeah, is that the root of the school board's problems that one of the members? Is is being defamed was dogged by a months long investigation that has turned out to be it's can't be helping much. Yeah, situation. It was very divisive at the time,
0: and I mean, it will be interesting to see how things go because he is actually done with his term here in the next couple of months, and then Mm -hmm. he is running for House District Eight, I believe. Um, Leslie Harrod's mm-hmm. Seed. So, this is not the last of director Anderson, um, and yeah, we'll be hearing what he's going, what's going on with him. If anything, um,
1: guaranteed to be interesting. Yeah,
0: he's a fascinating, he's
1: a fascinating character.
0: We love hearing from you about things you care about. So, we always share comments, thoughts, questions that come through our CityCast Denver hotline. Uh, who are we hearing from today?
1: This time we've got a voicemail from Bennett from the Spear neighborhood. Cool.
2: Hey, Brie. Hey, Paul. This is Bennett from the Spear neighborhood. Love the show. Thanks for talking about really tough issues like emissions regulation for the biggest polluters in the state. I just graduated from DU with a master's in environmental policy, and I'm always curious about how we can make these emissions reductions happen more quickly. So, yeah, thanks for talking about Suncor and all that comes with that you're both talking about how the government should crack down more on these polluters like Leprino Farms and cap their emissions. I was wondering, while we wait for the government to crack down on, you know, the cheesemaker and these other companies, why don't we as consumers stop supporting them? Because clearly their primary incentive is money. And yes, we can beg for better policies to stop them from making so much environmentally harmful product. Or we could just stop buying that product. Paul joked that he's 60% Leprino Farms cheese. So, do you actually want these regulations, which would make it harder, more expensive, maybe even financially unfeasible to keep producing the products that you love? Genuine question. I, I love your takes on these things, so I'm curious to hear what you'd say about this. Thanks.
0: Paul, can I just defend you for just a minute? Defend you. me. Well, you are sixty percent. I just want to say, if you're sixty percent Prino cheese, I'm. Yeah, 68. and I'm proud of that. I know. I'm just gonna say, I'm. I'm in defense of that. Okay. I'm probably sixty percent Starbucks. So, uh-huh. and Starbucks not renowned to be the greatest company. So, interesting take. I appreciate it. I'm always about people-led initiatives like boycotts. I think the struggle we would have is something you talked about in the show, which is you eat Loprino cheese on all kinds of things, sometimes whether you know it or not, right? Not because you don't know it, but because you're not going out and buying Loprino cheese. You're going out and buying a pizza. You're Mm -hmm. going out and getting a sandwich. You're going out. You know what I mean? So I love the idea. I don't know if we would know exactly how to boycott them other than just stop eating out. (laughs)
1: I think if that was the that was the path that folks wanted to take it would be not that difficult to track which products and how how to boycott these and and boycotts work that's yes. that's from my reading I think that that is actually a really good way to make change in the world I mean look at what happened in South Africa and the apartheid it was the boycott the international boycott that did that um they're trying to do the same thing with Israel and Palestine right now the um boycott divestment and sanctions movement I don't know if 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 I think that See Bennett, I I feel like you're you're really uh undervaluing politics. I feel like politics is the place to make the change here. Like a boycott is maybe a a good thing, but in this case, because of your point, Bree, like class is is a is an important factor to consider. Because if you're more well off, you can pay for alternatives, you can pay for a higher quality pizza cheese. Maybe you can, you know, you can pay a little bit more to have something that's not the most convenient or the the, the easiest, best thing for you. Um, so I, I feel like politics is, is kind of the place to make a change like this happen. And that's just takes like organizing and and talking to people and changing people's minds and building a movement and then electing leaders that will take a stand because they know that they'll get reelected because you've got all these millions of people behind them. I think both are possible.
0: I hear you, Paul. I agree with you that sometimes, especially when it comes to food access, it can be really difficult for folks. Um, again, we—I complain. I feel like every week on the show how expensive groceries are. Um, so I can see where sometimes we are making choices we wouldn't normally make because that's what's most affordable for folks. Um, but I just see both as an option. Like we could we could attempt to make some more conscious choices or attempt to make some more conscious changes. In our consumer behavior, if we're able to, and I think the power in that also is talking about it. Like mm-hmm. when you start talking about something, I found if you're when
1: passionate I, about it, yeah, when I mm-hmm. start talking
0: about something like this, I think a lot of folks sometimes will be like, "Oh, you know what? I never thought about it that way. Maybe I could just stop, you know, going to this place or using this service." Or and what I thought was interesting about our conversation with Noel Phillips was how many different kinds of industries are polluters. <laughs> so just like stop drinking Mol- Molson Coors too. You could stop doing that. Uh, Cargill Meat Solutions, oof, what a terrifying name! Vegetarianism is always an option, and I will tell you, as someone that's trying to eat more plant-based, beans and tofu are way cheaper than meat. <laughs> so, if you want an affordable change, there's little things we could do. I like, I appreciate that perspective. I think what Bennett's saying is we have a little bit more power than we think because we can elect people, but then we have to wait to deceive, decide what they do. And then we have to follow every move that they make. And we have to hope that they're still have our best, uh, and you know, us in mind. But in the meantime, we could try to do something ourselves. Yeah. So
1: can I ask you a controversial question? Sure. Cause this is something I thought about a lot while we were preparing for that conversation last week. I had just seen the movie, how to blow up a pipeline which was a a coloradan filmmaker who made this great movie about eco-terrorism. Ooh, Are you familiar with this? No. You get to if the movie's great. You watch these young I know kids some eco-terrorists. So. You do. How do you feel about eco-terrorism?
0: <laughs> I, it's not my brand. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Do you I feel don't like it's the way to make a, a way to make change? Or is that just I like I mean a, in a setbacks? in a society
0: where you can feel fairly powerless against giant corporations, maybe that's some folks' angle to get things done and be heard. Money moves things. What's the other way? People power? I don't know. I don't know if I'd take a hard stance on either way. I'm just saying I know folks that do it. What do they say? Um. Well, one Why of do them's they do in it? jail. So.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's risky. One of them at the the a business. punk house
0: I knew back in the day <laughs> in Baker. And uh, I think he's been in jail for a long time. But... Um, But I don't know. I just was you started mentioning boycotts. And I was like, what was my favorite boycott from history? And it was Uh uh, the queer community boycotting uh, Florida Orange Juice because their spokesperson was Anita Bryant in the late 70s and early 80s, who was this anti-gay. Uh, spokesperson. She got pied in the face on TV. It's an amazing story. But they (laughs) stopped serving, they stopped making screwdrivers at gay bars and people stopped drinking orange juice. And I just like, I kind of get excited about those movements because, again...
1: It's a way to take power back.
0: Yes. So I'm with you, Bennett. I think that's... I think it's something we can talk about and something we can do, but we also have to do the other part because let's hit problems from multiple angles, Yeah, you know?
1: Because you can't always choose. Um, Bennett, I want to hear more of what you think. Just got a big master's degree in environmental studies. Sounds like you I know, know you've been better thinking than about we this do.
0: pretty deeply for yeah. a long
1: time. <laughs> Call it again. Tell us the answer. Yeah, that was great. That was really
0: thoughtful. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Bennett. It was awesome. All
1: right. I think that's, that's it for the show today.
0: Okay. Well,
1: thanks, Paul. See you next time. See ya.
0: That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Anita Bryant about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya.
1: I like espresso in my chai. You like margarine in your butter. I do. I do.